0: Friends, as we all know, life in the modern world can be pretty tough sometimes. Whether it's that overwhelmed feeling caused by the 24-hour news cycle or that exhausted keeping up with the Joneses marathon that many people feel like they're running on a daily basis or simply trying to get by day in and day out. The good news is that there are now platforms designed to provide us with the support we need. Our sponsor, BetterHelp, Is a wonderful resource that's purposely designed to be accessible and personalized to your exact specifications. With the click of a button, you can sign up and be matched with a professional of the highest standards, a specialist that can be an unbiased support system throughout your week and beyond. And BetterHelp goes out of its way to ensure that your needs are met. If the professional you're matched up with isn't working out, BetterHelp will work tirelessly to match you up with someone who will. Here at 20-Sided Gamified, we fully and readily support our listeners' goals of living healthy, fulfilling lives filled with laughter, fun, gaming, and stories to pass on from generation to generation. We are proud to have a partnership with BetterHelp, and we hope you'll look into this wonderful opportunity and resource at a time where we all may need a little boost. Signing up for BetterHelp has never been easier, Go to betterhelp.com 20-sided gamified to learn more and sign up at a 10% discount for your first month. You can also gain access to BetterHelp through the link provided in our show notes. Thank you so much. All right. Hey there, old friends and probably some new friends. This is the first time this podcast is doing video. Uh, if you don't know me, so my name is Jared Fishman. I've been a teacher for roughly 20 years now, mostly in the independent school world. I'm a history teacher. And in terms of a couple of other things related to this podcast, I've been a lifelong gamer forever. I've been gaming since I was about 10 years old, and that kind of eked into my professional life. And this podcast that you're listening to it's called 20-Sided Gamified. So again, some of you may have listened to this before. Some of you may have absolutely no idea what this podcast is. So in that sense, uh, look, look at Kelly smiling. Then again, this is, this is exciting for me because we don't normally do video. This is the first <coughs> one. So it's always nice to see. I'm going to try to keep my hands in my pockets because I don't want to get too <coughs> wild given what we're going to talk about today. But So it's so one Side of Gamified, right? So essentially what this podcast is all about, it's all about gaming and how it crosses over and intersects with education. I have authors on, I have friends on. In some cases, I have authors that are friends on. And if you go to Acast or if you go to Spotify or if you go to really any major uh, platform for podcasts, you will find that 20-sided gamified has, at this point, probably about 40 different episodes out, which have all been recorded in the last year. And last but not least, you know the other thing about this podcast is the fact that it's kind of tied to the work I do with HMGS Next Gen Inc. So what that is, it was sort of born out of the larger historical miniatures gaming society. And as I said, I'm a lifelong gamer. So I like lots of games, but historical miniatures are a big one for me. And I know they're a big one for our two guests today. So on that note what is this podcast going to focus on today? So I'll tell you really quick, and then I'm going to have our guests intro, uh, introduce themselves. The reason they're smiling is we're going to get saucy today. We're going to get a little controversial because I've been thinking about this now for a few days. Um, <laughs> again, everybody's laughing because we're all history nerds. We're all smart people. I like to think that we're all smart. I think we are. So we're going to talk about Napoleonic wargaming today, which if you have never wargamed before, Napoleonics are kind of in a lot of ways like the end-all, be-all of, of wargaming, just for a whole slew of reasons, which we're going to talk about. But obviously, if you're a historical wargamer and you like Napoleonics, you probably saw Ridley Scott's Napoleon, <laughs> Okay. And we are going to loop a little bit of a review of that movie in. And by the way, the reason this is the Wild West podcast is because I haven't asked these guys what they thought of it and they haven't asked me. So none of us really know what we're going to say until we actually talk about it. So that's kind of what this pod is going to be about today. Um, Now, for some introductions, we got to start with the world's greatest co-host, Kelly McManus. Hi, Kelly. Hey, how you doing, Jared? What's going on, dude? (laughs) not
1: much just you know recuperating oh no i'm sure because you just saw I you just, just saw, saw the movie. last night all right yeah. oh man
0: fresh oh, I, yeah indeed, indeed it is very fresh so so kelly before you start ranting and raving um tell look tell tell the audience out there because again there are some people that are watching this that have literally no idea what we are what we do uh what do you do for this podcast so I'm the
1: co-host, um, for, you know, the, I guess the friend cast portion of it. Um, for now, I know with PAX, we'll be doing a bit more of the interview sections of it. Um, but I do some of your graphic editing for the podcast. So we just made some banners, um, taking our other guest here, Matt's, uh, artwork and, and kind of <laughs> putting it onto, um, you know, banners, T-shirts, uh, and business cards—so things like that. But mostly, you know, it's, uh, I'm here for moral support. <laughs> oh, really? Moral support, I see.
0: You're here to basically keep the host in line. Yeah, that's yeah. that's probably it's probably important. <laughs> All right, now look, I I described Matt last time he was on the podcast. I'm going to embarrass him. Um, I described him as one of the most interesting people that I have <laughs> ever met on the internet. Uh, which he is scoffing at and drinking his coffee. I'm sure. Um, Matt, you want to introduce yourself?
2: yeah, sure. um, I'm Matthew Klein. I'm a retired NYPD detective. Uh, uh, was in the military, went to Iraq in the early thousands when the global war on terrorism kicked off. avid, avid war gamer. same thing like you, probably like ten years old. Mm-hmm. and um, you know, just um live and breathe the wargaming, uh, you know, world. But um, yeah, that's pretty much it. So now I'm retired, and now I'm just um, one. I actually have a, a little company called Battle Tribe where I do my artwork for fun and stuff. And it, it's, it's been pretty good. I've been working on all of the projects and, you know, wargaming on the other end of it. That's it. Just living no, the for dream. Sure. No, you really are because
0: you have a you have a good deal. But then again, like, you've been shot at. So it's like, I want to be careful here. It's like, you've seen some things out there. Yeah. You've know, yeah, a well deserved life at this point. Thank you. you know? Yeah. Good, good so, Yeah. Yeah, for sure. And I'm glad that you're – uh technically, I guess – I feel like you're going to kind of become a member of the friend cast rotation because you oh, are a good dude. <laughs> and uh, I just – you're one of those people I kind of wish we all live closer. Yeah. Like if I live down the street from you, it's almost like when I pick on oh. my friend Titch. Like – I would be at your house every day and vice versa. Yeah, I'm rather sure absolutely. playing some war games, you know, absolutely. Um. So yeah, in, in all seriousness for the two of you, you know, thanks. Thanks for coming on uh, for today's episode. Now, look, I, I'm going to put both of you on the spot. And again, for my audience out there, for those of you that don't know me, I do this for fun. I mean, obviously if you've been following us on Instagram or you get a chance to the pod has been blowing up and I'm very proud of that. Oh. I think that this podcast does some things that maybe some others don't. I mean, it's a pretty holistic look at wargaming. But you know what? Let me back up. Not just wargaming, really. I mean, all different kinds of games. We've had people come on, talk about board games. We've had teachers on, artists on, authors on. And I think that the reason the pod is doing so well is because a lot of people are eating all of this, you know, sort of material up. Now, again, I am putting these guys on the spot. And... I never blow smoke at people, and I don't expect them to blow it back at me. But I am going to ask these guys because, again, Matt, this is his second time on Kelly. You know, is is co-hosting, kind of helping out. Kelly, I'm going to put you on the spot. Here we go. Um, what do you like, even if you didn't know me? What do you like about this podcast? Where's the value in it?
1: I think the value. I think the conversations um, that happen here are they 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 don't take the approach of like. Focusing purely on someone's career, like you, you, you really try to get to know people. Um, and I, the first episode, uh, I think really like drove that home. Like you're, you're finding ways to be able to actually talk with someone and get to know them. Um, or, you know, another kind of interview podcast, that's not the case. And you also look at the, I like how the podcast focuses on the larger culture of gaming. Um, be it, you know, war games, board games, um, like kind of everything that you said. Um, I like that because I like seeing the wider picture of how people utilize, you know, what we
0: do as a hobby and implement it, be it professionally or or not in in the day to day. No, that makes sense. And it's honest. I appreciate that. What about you, Matt? Because, again, we kind of met in a really weird way. We sort of met through this podcast. Yeah. What sort of what do you like about it? I mean, what do you like about the episodes? The, the one thing I like before
2: I even listen to the podcast is like in Wargaming, the, just the depth of different types of people you meet out there and like all the different walks of life that, you know, you come together. And like when I started listening to your podcast, it's like that's the feeling I got already. Like you just find all these interesting people, you know, people that you just play a game with. It's not just an opponent like you find out, like, you know, their whole life story and like all just really just amazing people that are in this you know this culture of wargaming
0: yeah there's yeah. just a lot of folks out there so that much. are interesting Very yeah. interesting. yeah yeah um i appreciate both of those opinions and yeah i mean i i do think look i'm not particularly religious i kind and again here's here's yeah. our first moment of controversy right look I, I i don't know maybe there's something out there i have no idea all i know is when i go what i'm hoping is that you know there's a thousand of these episodes, and if we're all still around in, you know, 40 or 50 years, it'd be nice to know that if somebody gets into gaming, they're going to be able to learn a lot about the hobby. And and again, Matt, I'm going to steal your words. Like, all the interesting folks out there that kind of do it, my hope is that people will get a chance to really find out how robust all of this is. That's sort mm-hmm. of my goal, you know? Yeah. Um. So, you know what? So, again, for people that have never listened, here we go. Like, we're going to do this. So, that was kind of a little bit of a long winded intro. Again, if you listen to the episodes, we're not always this sort of long winded, but again, you know, there are some folks that have no idea what we are. So, usually, what we do on this podcast, you can kind of call this a friend cast in a lot of ways, right? So, I have podcasts that I do with authors, and then I have podcasts with friends, you know, and again, you know, Kelly, obviously, Matt, obviously, you know, these are people that, again, if we live down the street from one another, who knows, we might be having this exact conversation at <laughs> a pub or something, you know, over a uh, an adult beverage. Again, if my students are listening, you know, I'm still a good guy. Don't worry. We're all good guys, you know. Um, so here's the deal. The the, the topic of today, Napoleonic Wargaming. That's kind of where I want to start. And then I want to loop in a little bit about this infamous I would phrase it, a Ridley Scott movie about Napoleon Bonaparte. And by the way, here's a quick disclaimer before we get into this. Now, I'm not going to speak for Matt or Kelly. If they want to jump in here, they're more than welcome. I'm going to be a little bit of a hypocrite today, right? So in the sense that, you know, Kelly and I, you know, with our our little gaming group in New Jersey, you know, I'm I'm the guy who's always like, oh, God, it's a history movie. You just got to give it a little bit of a, you know – Almost like a free pass on some level, you know, these 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 filmmakers, they've got to take their creative license. They're going to kind of make the film that we want. If you really want to know more about something, you should probably read and not, you know, base your opinions on a movie. And I usually take that sort of role. And that's not going to happen today, I don't think. Right. I, I, I know. I know. Oh,
1: look going to be one of those.
0: <laughs> it might be, you know, in my classroom, you know, I've been talking this movie up to my students um, without really knowing a ton about it. I was like, yeah, go see it, you know, because we made just a mistake. spent a, possibly, <laughs> yeah. Um, You know, I just spent a month on all of this in school and every year for the last 20 years, I usually spend a month, you know, or so on not just really Napoleon. I mean, we're not just studying his battles. I don't necessarily think that you need to spend a month on that as a regular sort of mainstream student. Yeah, like the French Revolution, a little bit about Napoleon, a little bit about the Napoleonic era, a little bit about the Congress of Vienna. You know, so yeah, I've got a little bit of a stake in this one. I, I think that's probably <laughs> yeah, right. It's the easiest way to say. Now, I don't know about you guys. I don't know. Do you want to? Do you want to tantalize our audience with maybe some brief opinions before we get into the wargaming element? I don't know how you guys feel. How do you feel? I don't know who wants to go first. I, I will say this. When I
1: when I started looking, like when, when news about this movie was coming out and um like the first images were leaked of like Joaquin Phoenix and the uh like revolutionary generals uniform um from like the early war and then I heard details about what the scope of the film was gonna be, I immediately got nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah. A little nervous. What about yeah. you, man? Um,
2: you know what it is, it's all like I like Ridley Scott, but to me, me he's like, he's like hot or cold, you know, yeah. like for, for, every, uh, for every, you know, Gladiator, Black Hawk down, you have, uh, what was Robin Hood, <laughs> you know, like, yeah. you did, like there's, so I was same thing you said though. Um, really nervous that it was his whole life in three in a three hour movie. And you know, you'll be, you'll be happy to know guys, a four hour cut version of the movies coming out to Apple. Yeah.
0: <laughs> you know, what's <laughs> but, really, um, no, go ahead, Matt. I'm sorry. No, I was just
2: going to say like, I like I liked the two thousand two mini series that was on A and E. And that was how many episodes, you know, hour, a couple hours, you know, and they, they I just can't imagine how you could do it in three hours. So a little yeah. nervous.
0: A little nervous. It's actually, it's funny, Matt, you bring that up. So I have um again, I, I never mentioned names on here, but mm-hmm. you know, one of, I have a student who is just sharp. She is just mm-hmm. unbelievably sharp. And it was funny, like literally the last period uh, on I guess it was Tuesday, right before we went on break. Uh, we were sort of talking about this movie and I was like, yeah, I'm going to see what my dad, you know, as soon as I get out of here. And one of my one of my students, you know, she her hand just shoots up and she's like, Mr. Fishman, I don't know. I don't know if she should go see this movie because Ridley Scott kind of doesn't want you to go see it because of Apple. Like, you know, it's going to be like that four hour yeah. cut. And I think she's right. You know, I think, mm. you know, when we, Get to the movie part of today's podcast. You know, we can talk a little bit about that. You know, the fact that you're getting that extra hour or maybe even ninety minutes. I don't. I don't know what the exact runtime is, but you know, I wonder what that will kind of kind of add to add to yeah. everything. Mm-hmm. Now, look, let, let's talk about wargaming. Um, thinking about how to do this. You know, again, we've got listeners out there who are like Napoleonic wargaming. I have no idea what that is, and at the same time, we probably also have some folks out there that are probably as experienced as we are and just about as excited as we are right now to talk about Napoleonics. So maybe we'll start like this. Here's a really quick intro, right? So if you've never wargamed before, what I would do is I would Google Napoleonic wargaming. And what you're going to find is an unbelievably vibrant period to do some tabletop gaming in. And that's the word that I want to start with, vibrant. And I can see Kelly and and Matt, their heads are sort of nodding. Kelly McManus, Co-host of the year. Yeah. <laughs> I'm put you on the spot, my friend. Are you ready? Yeah. I know you love Napoleonics, and it is particularly I know you have maybe the right word be fascination with um the Prussian military of the Napoleonic era. Yep. Now, now for our audience out there, you are you're a new war gamer. right? is that fair to say? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. I always. Say that. It, okay. So what is it about Napoleonics that just sort of sucked you in when you first got into games? What is it what is it about the period? What is so, it about let, the, the let, figures?
1: Let's let's put it like this, right? Like yeah, go Napoleonics for it. was the first thing I cut my teeth on. Ah, uh, gotcha. Oh. You know? So I, I, I took a deep dive <laughs> from the get-go. <laughs> right. Um, <laughs> uh, but in terms of the period, the thing that interests me most is how the old world of feudalism truly dies and how centralization in terms of like societal order, military administration, econ- like economics takes over Europe and how everyone is racing to catch up to the innovations that France is bringing to the table. Um, and then what France is exporting as part of its, you know, revolutionary period moving into this imperial one. Um, and, and what each little individual country has to do to overcome the difficulties and adapt. Um, so for me, like my main historical background is on uh, the early modern period of Prussian and German history, like 1806 to 1813 is this revolutionary period in of itself, which so much changes just to survive, right? As, as these independent states um, are at risk of losing everything, Um, So seeing what they're able to do from, like, a top-down and uh, bottom-up perspective is uh, really awe-inspiring. And then, like, also looking beyond that, like, what those lessons are and how other countries like America, for instance, is taking from that and and trying to adapt it
0: in their own uh, society is really fascinating to me. So it's really the history that drew you into the period to start. Oh, yeah. Now, what about you, Matt? Is it, is it the same story? Is it the history that roped you in? Or is there something else about Napoleonics that really gripped you?
2: So like the history, like as I, you know what it is? I love seeing something first and then like I get into the history and then just like go down the rabbit hole of learning all the different stuff and why things are. So I started off as a sci-fi, you know, fantasy kind of war gamer. And then as like, I would say about, say probably Ryan, I started getting into historicals. But I remember my my first uh, dip with uh, Napoleonics is getting a war games illustrated with a sprue, which is two free uh, 95th rifles. And I'm like, I put them together and I'm like, oh, these guys need friends. Yeah. So, <laughs> boom. Right. So, yeah. so if, if, war, if war games illustrated listening, that stuff works. When you put the Yo, little free sprue sure. in there, I'm like, I, I need it. So then, I, yeah, I just went down the rabbit hole and just started, you know, reading everything possible and start building. And, you know, the plastics were out. You had big tricks and you had the Perry miniatures So you were able to get, like, large masses of um, figures together and then just start going down, the, you know, the rabbit hole and investigating it. And just It's just a really wild, elegant, like, kind of um, way of combat. And I, I love how, like, you have all these different uniforms, wildly different, and then, like, everybody kind of, like, you see each other on the battlefield. It's not like a modern battlefield where you pop your head up, you get shot these giant formations have to really get close and maneuver and you know, how they had to aid the camps and they would pass, you know, messages and command and control. Just a really, um, cool, you know, looking at a way of warfare that I just found very interesting.
0: Yeah. For me, um, it was really growing up. So my dad started gaming huge shout out to my dad out there. So he'll probably, I I assume he loves YouTube. So he may be one of the new listeners, believe it or not. (laughs) Uh, so shout out to the old man. Uh, so look, he started gaming in the 70s, gold school, you know. So when I was growing up, I was born in 81. So I have very vivid memories of my dad in the early to mid 80s painting 15 millimeter Napoleonics. And again, as like a little kid, I was really taken aback by the uniforms, even before I knew anything about what the Napoleonic era was about. Just the vibrance, and and Matt, the word you use, elegance, right? There's an mm-hmm. elegance uh, to the way all of these armies look. And again, not to sound lame, right? But there is a huge component. If you've never wargamed before out there, right? It's far less about warmongering and far more about art and creativity, yeah. right? Yeah. And what's really kind of cool about Napoleonics is each army has just such a distinctive look to it. So if you're an artist and you really like to paint miniatures, you really like to base miniatures, you really like to flock miniatures, right? Doing all of those things and really kind of creating that diorama sense. Napoleonics, not only is it a great, uh, great medium or genre, whatever word you want to use to kind of get into, it's all-encompassing. So, mm. you know matt you haven't got up to the what i like to call the hq um well at least where i live i know kelly you've you've had a chance to come here but it's like the movie zulu you know when the British yeah, look yeah. out and they're like <laughs> i see thousands of them i have thousands of the miniatures it's you awesome know, which it's really uh, yeah cool. well i mean I, I guess it is but, but they're all beautiful awesome. <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> you know um it's just such a such a cool cool yeah. era um now here's a question for you two guys and again I love putting my guests and my poor co-host poor Kelly. You've had to deal with this a lot. Uh, Cause we don't, we, we don't rehearse in advance. You know, there's nothing more lame. And again, I know how I can be. Um, I, I just think our podcast is better than a lot of others. You know, there, nobody's reading from cue cards with their toes crossed that they're going to get a lot of views. You know what I mean? I mean, don't get me wrong. I, I like to get listens and everything, but you know, this is all off the cuff. Um, why don't we talk about rules for a second, which is, again, a vicious oh, and horrifying yeah. rabbit hole to go down. So I'm why not going to ask this? I know, I know. No
2: one's ever going to listen to anything that comes out of my mouth ever again. <laughs> after
0: so why don't we frame it this way? What Napoleonic rules have you played? Maybe we'll just sort of start there. Hmm. So, Matt, I know you've got an, uh, a pretty – beautiful collection of napoleonics and i know you've got a gaming group i know you've done this before obviously um what rules do you like what do you play uh, uh,
2: you're gonna get me <laughs> no <laughs> i know like, no <laughs> i know like this is so, why i'm saying this actually, is the most controversial episode when i ever. actually when i started out i actually used the um foundry you had a rule site called napoleon mm-hmm. a really beautiful book really beautiful book and it was um you know you would have several brigades you had a lot of orders you would put down you'd pre-plan all your orders and place Oof. them down as cards and everything and then everybody would reveal them and you carry through and then I, I, end up play, I played some general, um, the, the army. Oh the May. yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Yep. So yeah, I, I enjoyed that, my group and everything, but, um, this is where I get all the hate. like, uh, I end up, you know what it is, is it's like when it comes to wargaming, any time period, it's always like, how much time do you have? You know, what are you trying to achieve? I like to do big giant games with tons of miniatures on the table in like three hours, four hours and go out to dinner. So I use black powder.
0: Oh, <laughs> there it is.
2: With a, <laughs> with a bunch of modifications. Yeah. <laughs> but, Why um, does everybody hate that game? You no, they hate it, man. People really, really hate it. They really hate it. I, I, I don't know. I don't know. Everybody that comes over and we play, we have a great time. You yeah. Know? Whether we, I do, I've done Napoleonics with it. I've done, Um, I do American Civil War with it. I do um, Zulu and Sudan. Those are the four yeah. big things. And I, I have a blast. We we tack on a bunch of different, you know, um, homebrew stuff to it. And we have no problem with it. You know, yeah. and um the, that that's it. But at the end of the day, you know, everybody's a happy customer and you don't have to rap too much, but yeah. yeah, I could definitely understand there's things that are lacking that wouldn't be historically correct and stuff like that. A lot of people don't like the command and control, you know, like, you know, there's a chance that your entire brigade might sit there, yes. you know? So, you know, you got to slide either way. If you like that, yep. you don't like that, but yep. um, I, I enjoy it and I have a blast. So
0: Yeah. So, so I'm not going to front. I mean, when I play <clears throat> Napoleonics with friends, I don't mm. run the, those rules very often. Yeah. But I use them a lot at with Next Gen. And I've yeah. used them a lot in my career because uh, my students can pick it up pretty fast. Mm. And again, like, you know, they're not there to count the buttons, so to speak, on the uniforms. Yeah. They're not there see the nuances of how many paces it would take, you know, for a unit to go from square to line. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. and, and again, I, I don't want to pick on people, right? There there are moments where I guess a mindset like that is fine. And if that's mm. what kind of gets you going, everybody should be allowed to kind of play the games oh, that they yeah, want. Totally. You know yeah. what I mean? Um. Yeah. So I get it, you know. Um, and yeah, honestly, I'll say this. Shout out to Wardlord Games, because the bottom line is, you know, whether you're talking about bold action or hail Caesar mm-hmm. or you know, they've done a lot for historical wargaming. you know, yeah. and anytime oh, you can right and anytime you can go to a comic book store and find those games sitting alongside Man. Warhammer, all the power to you. Yeah, you know.
2: Man. They they made uh historical very accessible. You know, yeah, absolutely. you get a starter box and you get the stuff and just the, the amount of plastic that's out there. You know, like, yeah. I, the med, the days of doing 28 millimeter in metal is insane. You know, and insane. Yes. Yeah, insane. I would I would have never been able to do it.
1: Yeah. And, and the boxes they're making now with the epic scale that they release, like, I'm not a fan of it, but like, I love that it's there and mm-hmm. I love that people are able to easily get into it. It comes with the rule book. Um, yeah. No, it's, it's a good yeah, product at the end of the day.
0: Yeah. And Kelly, what about you? Like in terms of Napoleonic, so let's say you and the you went well. And and by the way, I was I am gonna move around a little because I do talk yeah. with my hands, right? Um, so here we go, right? Um, I know for a fact that later in this episode you're probably gonna talk about this, but I know you're you're actually painting Napoleonic's right now. Yes. So, has your group thought about rules? Like, is there something that you've played before that you enjoy that you kind of kind of want to roll out?
1: Or you, re- you're So, so we started with black powder um over time like members of our little group that we had got frustrated with some of the rules and the fact that we always had to like come up with our own little house rules and not everyone knew the house rules and everyone had their own preferences um so we moved on from black powder to a friend of mine made his own rule set we played that for a little bit um and then we kind of stop playing napoleonics so we're in this right. weird period where yeah i'm repainting all of my stuff i'm rebasing it all um my one friend Stephen, he is putting or he got uh LaSalle. uh so he's been reading oh, yeah, that yeah. and that's kind of our gonna be our in- entering that's point a- or re-entering point i should say that's awesome napoleonics but i also played field battle uh which is amazing um i really like that system so kind
0: of don't have one rule set to go to. Yeah. You know moment. what I love about your choice, though? Sam Mustafa is a New Jersey guy, man. Yeah, he is. He is one of the most interesting authors out there. I love reading his stuff. He's got so many interesting mechanics in his games, like whether you're talking about Rommel or LaSalle or Blucher. He really, yeah, he's Luka. so quirky. And I say that in a in a positive way. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Um, he's also a professor, You know, he teaches um, about the Napoleonic era. It's funny, like he was supposed to, I don't know if I should say this, but I will. will. Um, He was supposed to actually guest on this podcast a very long time ago, but he's always traveling. And, you know, he wrote me back and I didn't see it. And by the time... We both kind of contacted each other he was in like the archives in like Berlin or whatever you know doing research so um he's a very very interesting dude I've met him a couple of times so Matt have you ever uh, have you ever
2: experimented with any of his games no actually my group was, uh, they actually bought a copy La uh, LaSalle but we, yeah. yeah I just never played I haven't got a
0: chance it. to never play it. it. I heard
2: it was good and also too I, it was more geared the 15 15 yes. millimeter yeah yes. so I had twenty eight
0: so I'm just like I did, well, you, I you know getting, <clears throat> Yeah. No, you know, what's funny. I hope I didn't cut you off there, Matt. No, no, I? no, no, Because no, I always no, no, no. want to be a respectful host, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah. You know, what's funny. A lot of, I find that whether you're talking about 28s or 15s, you know, so many games out there are now kind of shooting for the let's play on a kitchen table, which can be a little yeah, tricky all, sometimes for yeah. 28s, you know?
2: That's why, like, when the, um, the epic scale came out, I bought everything and I, I haven't painted as much as 28s, but I I have it just in case because if you go to a friend's house, you could fight a larger battle with that scale, you know, and just have, and it's more accessible. Like, I mean, uh, like just bringing it, like when you bring all your stuff to somebody's house, it's a big undertaking. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Terrain and trees and villages and stuff, you know, 28 and, um, but then that's in the smaller scales, you could do the bigger battles and less the brink, which is nice. Yeah,
0: definitely. Definitely. Which is, yeah. Go so ahead, also go.
1: perfect for Napoleonics. Like you want to have those big battles. Yeah. <laughs>
0: yeah. It's we had a podcast, maybe I'm trying to remember when this came out, maybe a couple months ago where we kind of talked about uh, my buddy Titch White and. Corey from Cigar Box Battles, um, two wonderful people. Um, love, love their product. Oh, absolutely! <laughs> I have, yeah, have every I have like almost every mat. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, no. <laughs> Corey's saw- a legend. You know, yeah. uh, it's funny. I actually knew him before I even knew knew what the battle mats were. It's just yeah. kind of you know how like wargaming can be. It's like a very you, small did you, community. Did you see the uh, the Waterloo one? Yes, it's I did. 15, yeah, it's like 15 I want it so feet, big. 15 long. feet yeah. by
2: like four feet. Oh, <laughs> awesome! Yeah, they also have Gettysburg too. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> no, well they
0: awesome. don't. They don't mess around. You know, what's actually kind of funny. Is you know, for people that are listening, the question is: Are we sort of advertising for Corey? You know, we oh, kind yeah. of are. Like, Man, he's I a really good friend, <laughs> and I've got about forty of his mats as well oh, downstairs. So, good. so again. I'm not gonna lie, if you're listening to this podcast, I mean, advertising is is gonna happen, you know, but what I'm really gonna shoot for are really to work with people that I actually like. Yeah. You know what I mean? Or organizations that I actually like. And Corey is definitely one of those folks who I actually like. So um if you're listening out there or if you're watching, right, because we've got both mediums for this episode. Um, if you go to cigar box battles, what you'll find are some of the best war gaming mats, but you could use them for anything. You can use them for D and D and your role playing games, things like that. So what Matt's talking about, um, is the fact that Corey just put out like this 15 foot long, perfect replica of the, you know, Waterloo battlefield. So if you watch Ridley Scott's movie and we're like, you know, I need a little bit more Waterloo. Um, you can definitely fight it out. If you've got the minis, you know, uh, you can kind of get them out there. And I think, uh, And maybe, uh, Kelly, you can speak to this a little bit because I know you like the smaller minis. It kind of reads to me like 6 mil would probably be the best for that matter, maybe even 10 mil. You like that stuff, right? Yeah,
1: yeah, I do. I do enjoy the 6 mil. (laughs) Yeah. But But, but yeah.
0: Is your collection for 6 mil Extensive, or was it just you dipped your toe in? It's just Seven Years'
1: War. Oh, um, Because, like, you know, I'm a big Prussian militarism fanatic, right? You are. uh, Yeah, I mean, that's what my background's in. So, um, you know, I got six mil, so I could recreate all of uh, Frederick's troops in the uh, Seven Years' War.
0: (laughs) No, that's cool. Very cool. Pretty impressive. (laughs) It is. And that's one of those wargaming periods that probably doesn't get enough love, probably because of Napoleonics. It's almost like, for some folks... It's like, oh, the Seven Years War is cool, but oh, but look at Napoleonics. You know, you get yeah. more formations, you have more, I guess you could say almost like tactical flexibility, you know, and the like kinds of maneuvers you can kind of perform on the battlefield. You know? you
1: know, I would even argue, and this might be a little controversial. Do it. I would argue that in terms of the English speaking world and the result of the Napoleonic, you know, wars, especially with Waterloo. Yeah. Um, that because of the, the the cultural phenomenon of Napoleon, and within keep in mind the English speaking world, we're we're predisposed we're predisposed to um, Napoleonics, yeah. right? Like Seven Years War, pretty pretty gruesome conflicts, right? It's really painting the image of what's going to happen, yeah. Uh, but it's happening between French and German speaking peoples and yeah. Russian speaking, so uh, no, I that, get that. that doesn't really translate over well. You know, the English can't really cl- lay claim other than financial.
0: Right. <laughs> yeah, you know, what's funny. I don't, I can't really think of, and again, um, I'm so busy these days that I, you know, I don't, I don't watch a ton of movies like I used to. Is there a Frederick the Great biopic? I don't think there is. Not, so not is, ethically not
1: produced. Yeah, no, there's oh, the, right, the, right, right. the, yeah, the, 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 the. the there's a moment in time in history where they did make a movie and it is filled with uh, lots of poor ideology. Oh,
0: okay. Like that. Yeah, Yeah, no, it makes sense. (laughs) I love how you tiptoed around that. Kelly. I I feel like you, you have something in it or you want to get out, but you're like, nope, not appropriate. Yeah. (laughs) We're just not (laughs) going to, that's fine. We can always save that for another, another podcast. So by the way, um, I'll throw my two cents in. So uh, being the old man that I'm, slowly but surely becoming, as you can see from this video, I am truly a graybeard at this point. I played a lot of Napoleonic rules, a lot. Um, Growing up, because we didn't have a massive amount of space inside of our apartment, we used to play kind of a variant, which my dad actually came up with. I'll give him credit for that. Um, He kind of took DBA and transformed it into a Napoleonic game and this is early this is like early 90s like way before there was a dbn way before you know people started taking dba and turning it into whatever they wanted so we used to play that sort of variant in the apartment which was so much fun um and then just over the years yeah kelly i know you mentioned this and he was my second guest on this podcast ever Uh, I love Brent Oman's uh, series called Field of Battle, which basically uses a sequence deck. It's a very weird, but really, really fun game. You use basically a sequence deck of cards to kind of determine what actions you're able to take. So instead of an I go, you go type of game where you know when things move, you know when things shoot, you know when things melee every single turn, this kind of turns the sequence of play on its head. Um, I really, really enjoy that game. I've run it at work many times. I know I've run it for Kelly's group. Um, it, you know, again, and I think Brent would agree with me. It's not a game for everybody um, because if you're, if you, especially if you're a traditional war gamer, if you kind of need to know when things are happening in a turn, it might not be a game for you. But if you like some variability, if you like battles that kind of play out the way that you read them in a book, then I think you'd really like that game. You know, so that that's kind of what I lean to. But Kelly was alluding to this earlier. It's a hard period to find a set of rules that everybody is going to like. It's very, very difficult. And I always say it's almost like the Holy Grail, you know, of, of Wargaming, you know, not only as a period, but also like it's almost like having to find the Holy Grail as a rule set. So yeah. I don't, I don't know what you guys think or if you have huh. a different take on that. I think that's true.
1: <laughs> yeah. I've gone back and forth with my group so many times, like, oh, we should try these Oh, I'm researching this. It, it's, it's a task in itself to find something that will scratch every itch and yeah. still showcase an aspect of the flavor of the period.
0: Yeah. 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 All right, gents. All, oh, no, go
2: ahead. No, I was going to say, it's, it, to me, it's based on your game group. You know, like what you're what you're looking for, the time you have that, you know, that kind of thing, you know, so for sure. know, the great, I'll tell you one great thing about historical miniatures is, you know, like you buy You have a whole army. There's so many rule sets you can, you know, plug and play. You know, you're not, you know, pigeonholed into one system, you know. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Well, on that note, I mean, it's almost like that awesome art that's behind you, Matt. Um, mm-hmm. Kind of some old school Warhammer <laughs> art. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, look, you know. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> you know, you, you, you pick up some some marines and some orcs and it's like, yeah, yes, yeah, there are you're stuck. You know, there are other yeah. rules that's out there, but I mean they're really made for, you know, using those Warhammer 40k rules. And if that's yeah. not your cup of tea, you kinda have to yeah. proxy or, you know, find something else. But it's a little harder, I guess, is my point. Yeah. You know, with historical war games, you kind of buy the minis and then you can kinda go out there and find the rules that, you know, like Matt was saying you know, find the rules that your group is gonna like, you know. So for our audience, I hope that gives you a good sense of, you know, what we like about Napoleonics, where some of the pitfalls might be. If I could mention the name of a blog, something that I would say to you, if you're listening, you're like, wow, I really kind of wanna get out there and 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 check this genre out. My very good friend, Peter Anderson, who works with HMGS Next Gen Inc., he has a blog out there, so listen up real careful. It's called Blunders on the Danube. If you type in Blunders on the Danube on Google and type in Peter Anderson's name, what you'll find is it's his wargaming blog, but it's a treasure trove of information about Napoleonics, meaning like if you really want to get into this, you go to his website, you go to his painting guides, you go to his uh, scenarios, you'll find... Tons of information if it is something that you want to get into. Nope. All right. Let's do this. So part two of this podcast. Here we go. (laughs) Ridley Scott's Napoleon. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, gentlemen, but you've all seen this movie, right? Day one. (laughs) All right. Day one. And Kelly, you just saw it.
1: 1130.
0: I just saw it last night. (laughs) All right. Here's how we're going to do this. All right. Why don't we start with some things we liked? Maybe even talk about some things we were neutral on. And then maybe talk about some of the things that maybe burned us up a little bit. All right? Start with some things we liked. Gentlemen, I don't know who wants to start. Oh, by the way, hold on a second. How could I not do this in the world that we live in? If you have not seen this movie (laughs) and you plan on it, you might want to go and see it first and maybe oh, yeah. stop listening now because, again, I mean, here's the thing. Like, if if you like history, you probably know a little bit about Napoleon, right? So I don't know, like, in a twisted way, like, I don't know, you might want to know something already, you know? Uh, so these are, I guess you could say spoilers, but then again, like I said, if you're well-read on the subject, you probably weren't surprised by anything in that movie except for things that probably bothered you to no end, right? But... Turn it off if you're not ready for this. And if you are, here we go. <laughs> Gentlemen, what did we like? What were some things that you sort of enjoyed? Um, and maybe, Kelly, because I see the yeah, words I'll, I'll were literally yeah. ready to come out of your mouth. Yeah, Kelly, tell us a couple of things you liked. I, I like the beginning section of the movie
1: where it's focusing on Napoleon in um, his early career at Toulon. And primarily his kind of like the character profile they're trying to build on him where he's this young guy and he's nervous, right? Like when they're doing that siege, he's like, you could see Joaquin Phoenix literally shaking um, because, you know, this is his first military engagement. And like that aspect, looking to someone who has such an impact militarily like on the world and how, you know, these militaries work, seeing him kind of shake and be nervous and like, have these moments uh where you could tell like you know his adrenaline is up was re- remarkable um I loved I loved all of that um so I'll I'll leave it there okay <laughs> so
0: well that, I, mean, be I a can chime point. in yeah yeah, yeah yeah sure and I can chime in on that before we get to Matt um I can definitely see that I mean look it's Joaquin Phoenix Joaquin Phoenix is a legendary actor and mm. I agree there were definitely Elements of his acting that I thought portrayed some, some elements of Napoleon's life pretty well. So I'll give you a quick example, right? So look, let's let's treat this almost on some of like a classroom for a second, right? So look, if you know nothing about Napoleon Bonaparte and you went into this movie saying to yourself, I want to learn something about this guy. He was really socially awkward, which is why mm-hmm. being married to Josephine was really, really important for his career, meaning – he was not going to get into those parties on his own. I don't know if he had Asperger's, but the, a lot of the sources, Me and, and again, for you history people out there, when we talk about sources, you know whether we're talking about primary sources from back in the day, secondary sources, a lot of it talks about this sort of odd personality that N- Napoleon sort of had. He can walk into a room and have no idea what to do, no idea who to talk to. He really only banked on his military education at least at the very very beginning of his career which is why the josephine part of the movie was so important so kelly in that sense i agree with you there were mannerisms that joaquin i thought basically like used really well in the film to portray some of that awkwardness and i
1: like how the the film makes you awkward watching it like some of the things that like uh that Napoleon says in the film uh Walking Phoenix, it's like, why would you say that, or like, yeah. did he really say something, and you have to think, like, yeah, he probably did, because uh, yeah. based off readings like you said, like the guy was a kind of awkward individual, yeah, um so With I, I a like huge how
0: huge chip sh- on a shoulder by the way, oh, yeah, right, massive chip <laughs> on a shoulder, right This is a guy who basically really is of Italian descent, right? Corsica had been taken over by the French. Um, right around the time of, of you know, Napoleon's early life, a little bit before that, right? Um, but ultimately, you know, he goes, he's basically the poor kid at the wealthy school, right? Mm-hmm. You know, he goes to France. He has this huge chip on his shoulder and he knows I'm never going to have that noble name. I'm not going to have the wealth to compete with these folks. But ultimately, I'm going to be the smartest dude in the room. And he practically lived in the library. And you get that feeling in watching, um, Joaquin act that role yeah Matt some good things like what kind of jumped out at you in that film where you were like I'm very pleased by this
2: I mean the the art direction is is really visually like all the locations look great you know I mean I loved all it was I mean silly thing his uniform throughout the throughout the movie looked great he always had an an awesome uniform on that the high you know the high collar and everything like that so, you know, visually, it was just astonishing. and like some of the scenes too, like what you said too in the beginning and stuff, you could see him, you know, positioning to take advantage of this, you know, very volatile time in France's history and like how he, you know, went through. It's funny. It's funny. Like, you know, like with the, um, what do you call it, when they had a giant protest and he was shooting, um, oh yeah, it, a canister into them and stuff. Yep. And then like, then, you know, tr- you know, betrays them later on, you know, it's just like different stuff. That was a great, that was a great, uh, scene too. Yeah. with all the people coming towards them and stuff. But yeah, um, yeah they, they visually they did a lot of visually thing. It just you know what it is is you know r- with the whole movie like you know a lot of stuff on the back end. It kind of it just like you know I, I leaned over to my friend a couple times in the movie and I'm just like really <laughs> like, yeah. you know like it's, it's it's spoiled it. But if I was like 11 years old, I would have been like yeah the whole yeah. movie. It's just I- um some wasted opportunities in there.
1: I, yeah. I appreciate the brutality that that they show on the screen, like when yep. the horse gets hit horse. Or like, awesome. like, like off, like awful stuff. But like, yeah. I, I appreciate it. it's there so people who are viewing this who don't have like a background on it understand like how just yeah, yeah how violent all of this is. Um, and like going on what you said, like the, the the uniforms, the dresses, like everything, tell like immaculately well done, like every like all of the all of the uniform like just the clothing was exceptional yeah
0: yeah i agree with that yeah i agree with that and again so commenting on a couple of, of points that you guys have made right so we'll start with you kelly so like well actually no really both of you so talking about the uniforms i agree with you guys i i think that in terms of the visual aesthetics of the movie as a war gamer and as a history person, probably more as a war gamer. I mean, the, the uniforms are pretty meticulous. Now I'm sure there's somebody out there, who, <laughs> you know, cause it, again, if you guys know anything, anybody listening out there knows anything about Napoleonic wargamers. Some of them are, um, I'm trying to find a nice way to put it. Maybe type a little bit type a personality, <laughs> like where everything has to sort of be meticulous. And I'm rather sure that somebody out there was like, no, like that's the wrong uniform for that year. Or that's the wrong type of, ah, uh, headwear for that year. I don't know. For me, I don't get bothered by that stuff very much at all. And again, like, it brought me back to being a little kid of seeing those sort of vibrant uniforms on the tabletop that my dad was painting and then I paint, and seeing that visually is definitely awesome. And on that note, if we're talking about just art and aesthetics, you know, you've got the really sort of dark background of the movie contrasting with the really bright uniforms, which I I thought was really sort of appealing. Now, um, talking about some of the events that Napoleon was in, I think that as like a history person, let's say you went into that movie not knowing anything about Napoleon Bonaparte's life. I think what Ridley Scott did a really good job of is almost making a cliff notes version of Napoleon's life in a few hours where, you know, you always – maybe always is a strong word – you know, other films out there about Napoleon, you're going to see the Battle of Battle of Bordino. You're going to see Waterloo. I haven't really seen a ton. Not saying it's not out there, but I haven't really seen a ton of some of the things that, you know, uh, Ridley Scott put into the movie, like especially Napoleon's role in the, the, really like not just his role in the revolution, but really his role in ending the revolution. You know, he ended the French Revolution, right? And again, no. we're on YouTube now, so bring the comments out. I'm rather <laughs> sure somebody out there is going to take offense to that uh, or or question that, which is not a bad thing, right? It's America, we're supposed to do that. Um but look, he in my opinion, he comes out really ends the revolution and I think that the filmmaker did a really good job showing uh, you know, how his star rises at Toulon, how he ends up marrying Josephine. Um, how he inserts himself into the end of the directory and then into the early consulate. I think that it the film did a really good job of showing that. So again, Cliff Notes version, something that will kind of tantalize the viewer and be like, I want to go and read now about Napoleon. In that sense, I thought the movie was great.
2: There- yeah, go ahead. No, I, I agree. I'm I'm you know, like kind of like Warlord Games. I'm glad it exists. It brings people into, you know, into the fold and stuff and um, you know, package it up nice, gave you the footnotes and you know, and, and like a lot of these movies, with me personally, I'll watch it and if I really enjoy the movie, I'm like I can't wait for the movie to be over. So I can get on Google and start reading it, you know, yeah, reading yeah, it up yeah. and uh researching it.
0: Definitely.
1: Yeah, I was gonna agree with what you said about cliff notes. Like it really felt like, you know, this is this is that moment this is this moment that's this is moment like we have to check off a number of boxes which yeah. i think is going to be one of the, my complaints about the movie yeah is oh, we're getting there
0: we're getting <laughs> i know there. we're getting there. Kelly mcmanus yeah. um you know what this reminds me of actually you know it's funny like te- quick aside you know what as a teacher one of the things that we do a lot in class is you know to become a better writer you kind of look at writing and <laughs> my students my students rarely do they enjoy the part where they have to give props to the writer, like, what's good about this paragraph? They all are just seething to kind of get to the part where it's like, now I'm going to kind of crap all over this thing. You know what I mean? (laughs) It's just really fun to be critical. I hate to say it that way, but it's very true. Um, I will say one thing, though, before we get to the neutral kind of part of the film. um, I want to give one more kind of prop to the film. I think showing Napoleon's relationship with Josephine, I think that was really important. And mm-hmm. I know that in a lot of ways, the movie kind of, that was sort of the central focus of the film in a lot of ways. I, In a lot of respects, I think that's a good thing. Because again, you know, I don't like playing the game of the, the what if game. I mean, it can be fun to do that. I'd rather just look at our sources, right? And use those sources to analyze what we know about these people's lives, right? And I think it's very fair to say that Josephine had a huge impact on Napoleon, right? She is this sort of uh, well-known aristocrat. She's a little bit older than Napoleon. She's basically widowed, you know, and on one hand, she kind of wants to get back into the limelight. And she's going to do that through Napoleon. And she gives him a lot of those inroads. She's the one that introduces him to the right people. In a lot of ways, she is the sort of lightning rod for Napoleon's career, which I appreciate. And I I think that it did a really nice job showing that relationship. or again, the Cliff Notes version of that relationship. Mm. So that was something that I, I kind of liked. Now, what about neutral stuff? I mean, was there anything that you guys saw in the film that you were like, eh, you know, it's all right? Didn't hate it, but didn't love it.
1: Um,
2: uh, you know, I think it, it was very hot and cold. Like, yeah, I, like I, I enjoyed all the, the like the relationship, a lot of the backstory, and like going through. But like, anytime it was the battle, yeah, I was like, it, it, it bothered me a yeah. lot. And yeah. I'm just like, it, and like. You know, I'm not a great movie director or anything, but I'm just I think he could have been easily shown the like, different formations and how like the battles actually happened. And I think it would have. I don't think it was such a, it was a hard thing to do. Yeah. With the amount of money and talent that they had involved, it, it could have so easily shown so much stuff and they just like kind of cheaped out. Yeah. You
0: know, we'll get into all that. <laughs> yeah. But it didn't make they, you walk out on the film, though. No. So but it's kind of it, neutral. I was like, I was actually pretty high on the movie, I'm like, oh,
2: this is really good. I'm enjoying it, and then like when, like, you know, especially the last battle, like at Waterloo, I, I was just like, it really, really. Oh, we're gonna get to that. all the way down. Like, I was just like, it was. It felt to me in some scenes like high school. You know, ninth grade. Matt Klein wrote the script. You know, like, like, <laughs> and like if I, if I, if I, if I wrote so much stuff when I was in high school, and like right. when I start it, when it starts to feel like fan fiction, you know, like yeah. this and that, you know, I just
1: that That's yeah, actually because, a perfect way to describe the I movie like fan yeah. fiction, yeah <laughs> no, for sure,
0: Kelly, were you neutral on anything in this film there yes and no there there are things I
1: wish were different, yeah. there are things that I wish were more like you know just so if the movie's going to be about Napoleon and Josephine's relationship, then make the movie about that, yeah, I'll say that, yeah. Like, Vanessa Kirby did a pretty good job at being Josephine, I think. Yeah. Um, but it, there's so much. Like, some of the lovemaking scenes were a little, yeah. like, awkward. Like, yeah. why did you just cut to that right away? Like, where? Yeah. where's the, the, yeah, the lead-up? The, the movie is not <laughs> subtle. The, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it shows because I don't think um, Ridley Scott is subtle anymore. I think he's this uh, perverted old man. Yeah. Just yeah. <laughs> saying.
2: With with him and some of the other famous directors, they're just they're just surrounded by so many yes men now. When oh, yeah. earlier in we're earlier in their career, they're like, "Hey, Ridley, this scene doesn't really work." That never happens. Yeah, you now it's it's like I am so glad to be on the set with you. Oh my god, you know, and you see it in Hollywood. You know? Oh yeah. So the the one big thing about um Ridley Scott, you know, this all hearsay seen on TV and stuff was, you know, you have you have the movie Blade Runner, and then the director of Villa Denova who did yep. the new Blade Runner, which I love. Like, Oh yeah. I like, I like Blade Runner. It's a good movie, whatever. It, it's, it's not as to me as high praise. It's more, but the second movie is, I think is amazing. But the yep. thing was the director was, was said that like he was having a heart attack with Ridley Scott on set. Was Ridley yeah, Scott was walking that. around like this. And he was just like, can you just get off my set? You know? So it just, it, it shows in all the movies, you know, you look at Spielberg, you know, uh, James Cameron, Lucas, you know, it's, yeah. it's what happens, but
0: getting high on your own
2: supplies, so to speak, <laughs> That's, yeah. right? That's yeah. No one, who's going to tell them, you know, who's going to say no, but you yeah. can see it unfortunately. Yeah.
0: Well, <laughs> let me say this, this was a very unfair question of me to ask because guess what? I'm neutral on nothing. All right. That movie, that movie, the was, movie, an is that yeah, movie was an abomination. That movie was an abomination. That's that, that was the word that I used to, to tell describe me really that film to a couple of people. <laughs> Goddamn movie was an abomination. <laughs> Um, I don't even know where to start. And by the way, I'm not this person. I, again, if you, for the people out there that don't know me, I tend to be like really easygoing with history movies. And by the way, I don't know everything, right? I tell my students that on a daily basis, I don't know everything and I don't pretend to, I'm not an expert on Napoleon Bonaparte. Do I have multiple master's degrees? Yes. Do I teach the Napoleonic era every single year? Yes. Am I an expert? No, not necessarily. But you know what? Why don't we just start here? Let's start here. I'm already working myself up, by the yeah. way. Yeah. All right. Why don't we start here? Here's a question to you guys. Ready? Do you think Ridley Scott even asked anybody what actually happened at the real Battle of Waterloo? No. No. no, not, no. not at all. Not at all. Cliff Mills, I mean, shameful <laughs> disgrace. I mean, how hard... Here, I'll give you an example. How hard is it? How hard is it? To have the British Army take like a hundred steps back over the ridge that they were on to set up their squares where they actually were set up in real life instead so of
2: walking I have, forward, I have one quick question. So yeah. you're telling me there was no World War One trench warfare with readouts?
0: Oh, my God. yeah. the The <laughs> Abatis from like the Hundred Years War that was like probably taken from his set, the Robin Hood set. yeah <laughs> I, I I could not believe what I was seeing. You know, um, it was just absurd, like just talking about Waterloo alone. Um, Kelly, what were you thinking watching that battle scene? So I went to see the movie with two hopes, a, like everything
1: would look good, like all the clothing would look good, uh, and that the battle scenes would at least be good because it's Ridley Scott. You did Gladiator, Black Hawk Down, like you did all these movies that are fairly decent um in terms of their depictions of warfare and i absolutely hated every battle scene in the film yeah absolutely hated it and i understand like look the the movie i'm going to preface everything cuz i understand the movie is not made for history buffs it's not made for historians and the movie is supposed to focus in on once again this this uh, relationship between Napoleon and Josephine. Totally understand that. And I understand that, like, hey, we're three guys talking about a movie that has shitty battles. Yeah. Uh, but it has terrible battles.
2: Yes. That's horrible. <laughs> it, it's, it's sad because it, it was wasted opportunity. So there were some good shots, like at the Battle of Waterloo, when they set up in Square, that famous painting of the Agreed. British Square, that, that was mimicked right there oh, completely but, then agree. Backs, but like, it, it just backs away from a lot of that stuff. You know, like you have these guys in trenches and then you have a giant caliber formation coming and then they're getting out of the trenches <laughs> to fight. Oh like, well, God. You, like, yes. but, like honest, the, the, the bad omen to this was, um, when you saw the trailer and you saw Napoleon charging in.
0: Oh God. I know. So, as
2: soon as that was like the, if I had to pick one thing, the bad, the, the dark cloud on the horizon, it was that. And I was yeah. like, oh, maybe it's a dream sequence. Maybe he's dreaming about going into battle and yeah. then he did it. Did you see him charging
1: at Borodino?
0: Oh, (laughs) Oh, yeah. Or whatever that battle was supposed to be, Uh, like front wave, like he would be dead. (laughs) Uh, uh. (laughs) I mean, look, again, you know, putting the history glasses on for a second, it's like, yes, when Napoleon was younger, right? There are accounts of, you know, him being in the front lines in like 1796, right? Which, by the way, the movie completely just glosses over the campaign that really made his career, which is the Italian campaign. What is 75? Italy? I, is I know, Italy? right? Like it's not even heard of it. Yeah. Um. So, so again, yeah, like it was, I'll describe it this way. It was cringy. It was cringy. And I'm going to say <laughs> this word, dangerous. Because in the world that we live in, people barely read anyway. Like having somebody go in and having to then go and do their own work after the film is over to like know just simply that like the British army fell back because of uh, a whole variety of different reasons at the battle of Waterloo, Waterloo to form their squares and nay and other people bring the cavalry over and all of a sudden realized the British army is in square, right? Like somebody is going to have to do an enormous amount of work to essentially rectify that not even an error by Ridley Scott he just made it that way because he wanted to make it that way yeah which again like as an artist I mean I get it but I I mean it's just to me it's <clears throat> it's, it's dangerous you know look, it's almost misinformation look never mind Waterloo that Austerlitz scene had uh, like if anything that it was, was gonna, gonna be make my next me,
1: target. It, it,
2: they were, they weren't all they weren't all yeah. on the ice. No? Oh That's god oh almighty. <laughs> but like every yeah, ahead, every Kelly. every
1: battle scene it just turns into this melee. It's like look, we're not in Gladiator. Okay. Like they fought in lines and, and there were
0: pushes by like Yeah. Ah! yeah. Again, it's just choice, right? It's yeah, just yeah. Choice. So,
2: yeah, go ahead. My Matt. opinion no, my opinion is he's just so detached from it. Like yeah. that deci- like, that the decisions to make and storyboard and do those battle scenes where 10 people below him. Yeah. And he literally just walked on set and it was his action and framed it out. Like he's yeah. detached from it. Like,
0: yeah. Well, I have a theory on this, which we'll get to in a second, but okay. Like Austerlitz, right? Okay. You're a director. Maybe maybe you've got a couple of historians. Of all the things that happened at that battle, that's what you focus on? You focus on yeah. you know the the Austrians uh, and, and Russians running away on the ice and a few cannonballs breaking some ice up. Yeah. So, I mean, if you want to really focus on the life of Napoleon, how about this? Why don't you show him talking to his marshals in advance? Why don't you show him uh, talking about the fact that I'm going to keep one of my flanks really light on troops because I know Davout's not here yet. I'm going to entice you know, the enemy to literally cross the center of my army to attack this flank that is clearly weak on purpose. And then when that happens, I'm going to literally split the enemy into two pieces. You don't tell that story, but you show the ice cracking. And ultimately, I have two thoughts on this. Number one, to me, this is the error with the entire film. It seems like Ridley Scott chose the silliest parts of these moments the silliest parts of these battles to portray instead of showing the moments of uh whether it's genius or whether it's a high point of the battle he didn't really choose those moments and he just sort of chose these sort of silly awkward things it's really about the choices that he made as a director right so what do you guys think on that
2: he he wanted that uh Spielberg said probably Ryan blood in the water yeah, <laughs> oh, you know, but right? it's like, that's why I'm like, yeah. and like, what, what is, what's the actual number of casualties actually fell through the ice? Don't Not even, a lot. I, don't even think, I think it was like a yeah. hundred horses and like two people, yeah. you know, and they made, they made it into the entire, And you know, once again, like everything you just said, I can completely visualize could have been easily shown, you know, he could yeah. have been at, in his war room locks on the table. Like, I want you guys to do this. And then it could have been shown so easily and like just wasted opportunity, you know, so if, <laughs>
1: If you Googled the cast of the film, like on on Google or whatever, and it shows you like who everyone's supposed to be portraying, like they do have like uh, a nay, they do have whoever. Yeah. Yeah. Which is like cool, but they didn't say anything. I I will say though, like I'm happy that General uh, Dumas was shown Mm -hmm. in Egypt. I hate that General Dumas is shown at the coronation because he had fallen out of favor with Napoleon. Right. I love that like these characters
0: are there but also like show them at the appropriate time. (laughs) Yeah. No, totally, totally. But look, here's my thinking on this, right? And again, I don't want you to agree with me because I'm the host. Push back on this if you don't agree, right? This is all I could think about. The British love their propaganda about Napoleon when he was alive and they love it now. Oh yeah. So how does the film end, right? The film ends, well, first off, even if we back up, Napoleon is not really shown as a particularly adept commander, right, in my opinion. He's shown in these random moments. He's shown as this sort of megalomaniac, power-hungry person, which is all, like, accurate. Like, the guy mm. certainly had a complex. Like, he wanted power and was addicted to it. Absolutely. I'm not going to debate that. Um, however, if you look, for example, at the Battle of Waterloo, if we're going to use that as the example, he's sort of – first off, he's inaccurately portrayed completely during that battle, Right? Nothing is shown about the fact that he was sick that day. Nothing was shown about the fact that really when things started to go wrong, he wasn't around, right? And it was really only until things really got out of hand that he kind of put his general glasses back on to kind of try to, I guess, almost take the battle over, so to speak, from his uh, subordinates, right? None of that's shown, and I think it's on purpose, right? Because if you look at the very last scene in the movie— they throw all the different battles that were shown in the film and all the casualty rates, and then at the very bottom basically talk about you know these three million people dying because of Napoleon Bonaparte. So here's the thing. I just think that it was a smear job, just like the British have always done. And you know what? I'm sorry, but you are going to get the – I don't know what the right word is. not nastiness out of me, but British propaganda. It oh, still yeah. exists, and ultimately, I really think that Napoleon got done dirty, right? Yeah. And again, nothing was in there about the Napoleonic Code. Nothing was in there about the fact that this person, yes, he was a megalomaniac, but he also toppled absolute monarchies. Nothing is in there during the Congress of Vienna about the fact that, yes, these aristocrats who he overthrew, right, are trying to remake the world in the image that existed before him, right? That's not in there. Nothing's in there about the fact that Uh, the Napoleonic Code really becomes the framework for constitutional monarchy in Europe, right? In which there are rebellions in the 1830s and 1840s, because ultimately the average person, you know, wants rights, you Mm -hmm. know, none of that is in there. And instead, Napoleon is basically portrayed in the same light as a Hitler or a Stalin, which there have been plenty of articles written about this recently because of the war in Ukraine. So to me, it's british propaganda and ridley scott is just the newest member of it and in fact there was even a scene in there right showing some of the british propaganda from the from from the actual time period you know so meaning the actual time period that napoleon was basically alive right and as and classic right nothing is shown about the prussians winning the battle of waterloo right nothing nothing was shown nothing. about that nothing is shown about the russians god only knows how many hundreds of thousands of people they lost it's just classic, the British won the Napoleonic Force. Yes. Yep. That's how I feel. And I know I'm fired up right now. Well, no, which I'm going Go to relate to
1: wargaming because this throws me off the edge too. Is like, how many wargamers do you know within, once again, the English speaking world show, like, wh- where is Leipzig? <laughs> where, Ryo, where are these? Soar, soar. Where are the austrians where no it's iberia and spain and we have sharp or it's waterloo and oh there's no <laughs> dutch belgians uh yeah, yeah. Iberians or like the, the british barely did anything huh. uh, yeah okay okay they funded a lot of they supplied a lot of weapons they funded money but like the in terms of blood spent this was a continental european conflict right okay like, <laughs> like i'm just looking at it. it's like it, England – like UK, you can't choose when and, when you want to be part of Europe and when you can't. <laughs> yeah. Right? Yeah. Oh, By the you're way, we're get probably ending all my oh, yeah. guests on this oh, podcast. I, look, I'm sorry, but the reality of the situation <laughs> well, is like England is a bank for the rest of Europe <laughs> during this time period. All right? right? Frederick the Great couldn't win the war without English money. It's true. But at the end of the day, it's not like – like you're not fielding a hundred thousand man army, okay? Right, no. right. <laughs> Matt. What do you think? Are you no, fired same. up? Oh, fired up.
2: No, I, I agree with you though. It's a it's a disservice and stuff. And you know the amount of you know King's German Legion. Like there was all different types, you know, you know Belgians and Dutch right. and stuff, and Hanoverians and everything. It's uh, it is pretty wild. It's Like everybody in a red coat, the British, and that's yeah. how it went. Yeah. But, Um. Yeah. No, hundred percent. But I, I honestly think he's so far removed from all that. really, Scott, like. I mean, yeah. his name's on it, so he's got to take he's got to take the hit. But um, it's sad, just wasted opportunity, you know. Yeah. Because you know everything you said in the, in the four minutes about that battle, I could totally visualize, and it could have been done, you know. And yeah, um, you see you see glimpses of it, like stuff, you know, like and that, and like, wow, why don't you just like mag magnif- you know, just even like when they when they start opening up their volleys on each other, I'm looking at my friend, he's like a civil war historian, and I'm like. They're way too far away. They would <laughs> not be. Right. They I remember no, that. Like they would, you you could even like, yeah, when they first meet each other on the field at Waterloo and they're engaging each other way out of range.
1: Yeah. You know? Yeah. i Oh, go, go ahead. The, the field dries the moment it stops raining. <laughs> it's good. <laughs> <laughs> it's good to go. Yeah. What, what about, what about the
2: sniper that, Ugh, that he's yeah. my MV, MVP? He actually yeah.
0: got Napoleon in the hat, you know? Yeah. Got, got him in the hat. Matt, Matt Klein, are you trying to give me a heart attack? Because <laughs> I, I wasn't going to talk about that. but that, that, I would have to say that's the worst scene. And, 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 don't shoot him. Not, what
2: did he, I don't even remember his words. That was out of my mind. What did he? What did, what did Wellington say?
1: <laughs> what did oh, he say? He's like, to the sniper? Don't, don't shoot him or something like that. Yeah, like, so, that's not gentlemanly. Um, look, uh, look yeah. for, for the guy who's going to be editing this video, Jared, can we yeah. have – the Unreal Tournament headshot, go over and then show like something from Unreal Tournament. Possibly, please. I don't know. So, I mean, <laughs> I'll record it for you. Adi Pandit, the greatest
0: uh, audio engineer in the history of audio engineers. I don't know what he's going to do to this video. I mean, he's, it, you never know. He may may be able to kind of kind of slide one of those photos in, but that, yeah, it was just cringeworthy.
2: That scene was bad, and then like so. Wellington earlier in the battle says, "Don't shoot at him." Yeah. and then he does, and then later on he just like fuck it. I'm yeah, sure. <laughs> so
0: so again, I'm not going to pretend to know the accuracy there, right? Um, mm. If you've ever seen the original 1970 movie Waterloo, right? There mm. is a a famous scene in there where a, a British artilleryman, as the armies are kind of set up, there's a British artilleryman who kind of rides over to Wellington. It's like, hey, like I see Napoleon out there, can I take a shot? And basically, Wellington says. You know, something very similar in the 1970 movie where he's like, you know, we basically have better things to do with our time than shoot at generals, which ultimately is kind of, you know, that sort of, again, like the British are so gentlemanly, you know. Um, mm. So, again, like I, you know, I don't know if that was actually said at the real battle, but I do know that there were definitely a couple of homages to the Waterloo movie, which I guess Ridley Scott must have watched. Um mm. You know what I maybe. mean? <laughs> maybe. maybe, But yeah, like, I, I don't know, man. I, I, again, I uh, this will be my last point on this just because yeah, now it really sounds like I'm ranting and raving, but like even something as simple as could you at least show the, the Napole- Napoleon's Imperial Guard making that last attack? Yeah, you, they I didn't mean, even like, show that. Because they, they, they showed, they had people in the Imperial Guard uniform. And by the way, if you don't know anything about the Battle of Waterloo, Okay, so let's let's do a little history lesson here. And again, don't get me wrong. I'm not an expert on this, right? There's probably people out there that can give a better narrative of this account than me. But ultimately, the Prussian army, right, who had been defeated at a battle called Ligny before Waterloo, they had basically eluded a French corps of about 30,000 men. They more or less eluded them and kept a rear guard to keep these 30,000 Frenchmen, which is a huge part of Napoleon's army, it's about a third of his army, because what Napoleon was afraid of was he was afraid that the Prussians were going to show up at Waterloo to help the British, and that's exactly what they did. They basically caved in Napoleon's flank. Yeah. And what Napoleon was doing at the end of the battle, right, was he kind of knows the Prussians are there, but he also knows that he has battered the British army, right? And again, the movie – you know, just sort of gloss, completely glosses over most of the actual fighting of of the battle. But the bottom line is, in that last scene, what that's trying to show is the British are really down on ammunition. Uh, they've been battered for hours and hours and hours. So what Napoleon does is something he almost never does. He commits the Imperial Guard. The Imperial Guard is really the, the uh, most veteran troops, the most acknowledged troops in the army, and they kind of push forward. And yes, the British absolutely stop them right and it's really one of the first times in the Napoleonic era that that's happened to the Imperial Guard but again like they show regular French line marching in uh, like more like modern formation than what they would have you know back then and it's just completely gloss over I, again I, I think Matt you're right I think he just doesn't he just didn't care you know to kind of yeah. show that you know so, look, I don't know, the, the guys, if there's question. anything you want to add. Yeah, go ahead, Kelly. The real question, how many rubber bayonets did you see? Oh, God, see, I don't have an eye for that.
1: <laughs> oh, yeah, I didn't see any of that. Yeah, oh, no, I saw that, so many. We saw yeah, I'm going to watch. F- did, we, did, we, did I say a comment about how many flags do you need in that movie? Oh. No, you, you know, have not. No, <laughs> I haven't. All right, so how many flags do you need in each of these camps? And yeah. why are the camps right on the battlefield? Yeah. You know, yeah. Why, like, like, you don't, every tent doesn't need its own flag. Okay, yeah.
0: and now yeah, we're really starting that to hear the bitterness. Uh, <laughs>
1: that, is, yeah, that is funny too, because like they had like
2: French, flag, like a lot of like not unit flags. They just had like French flag, French flag, French flag. These are the French right. people. These are the right. you know. Like I think they, he, like uh, they near the end of the it down. And
1: hey, the end of the movie, he's like he's using like the eighteen oh six flag for mm-hmm. eighteen twelve, and yeah. he's mixing them up. I'm like, just,
0: come on, come cool <laughs> on, okay, a little bit. Knowing the two of you guys, we're we're like the least type of person to be complaining about films, right? Mm-hmm. I can't imagine what those type A war gamers out there—they yeah. must have exploded <laughs> inside the theater, right? So look, if you're if you are one of those folks, put some comments in, you know, because we're gonna start to wrap this podcast up. I think you guys get the sense of how we feel about this movie, right? Um, Definitely, some moments where it was great. Definitely, lost opportunity, but ultimately, certain elements of this, especially from a military's perspective, absolute abominations.
1: I I, I don't think he should have done like if the once again, if the movie's main focus is on Napoleon Josephine, which is perfect. Like, I would love to see more of that. Make the movie about that. Yeah, you know, don't try, don't like. And the problem is, he tried to do it all. And this is probably the best you're going to get if you try to do it all, but don't. Yeah, like like yeah. I would have loved to seen that that more of that dynamic between him and her, you know, yeah. and and what that all entails. Because like the two of them were kind of awful to each other, yeah. Uh, yeah, in a lot of ways. Like they were like if you read like some of the memoirs, like in his Italian campaign, where he finds out she's cheating, so then he starts like dis like they were terrible for each other. Yeah, but um, like if you're going to make A movie about that then make the movie about that don't try to throw in your war scenes don't like if you're going to make a movie about the political aspect of it make the movie about the political don't try to do it all
0: yeah yeah i agree i think that's uh, that's definitely you took the words out of my mouth kelly i think i think uh he tried to do a lot and by the way you know you have to wonder too and maybe this is for a different podcast. Maybe it's not even appropriate for this podcast because I made a point earlier about you know the way that Napoleon was sort of portrayed in the film. And I guess it's just kind of funny to me in the sense that are we really going to pretend that this hadn't been happening in Europe for hundreds of years? Do you know what I mean? Like yeah. we get this we get this smear of Napoleon where he's kind of presented as almost this 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 feeble-minded very weird sexual partner. He's like a cuckold. Yeah, like, no, for real. Like, (laughs) it was almost like he was meant to be this weird comedic joke, you know? Mm -hmm. Um, And just the cause of all of these losses of life, which, again, like, he was. He absolutely was because he was a warmonger, ultimately. Like, he didn't need to invade Russia. He didn't need to do those things, right? He kind of did it because that's what he was used to doing, and that's – his way of gaining power was basically through the military. I, I get all of that. But if we're going to portray him as a villain, who else are we going to portray as villainous? Meaning like the Duke of Wellington, right, who is always in these movies portrayed as this sort of angelic figure. What about his career, right? Yeah. What did he do after the Napoleonic era? He went to India, Right. As sort of a as again, like, you know, which the British will never admit to, but like as this sort of oppressive figure who was basically going um, to kind of keep things under control there. Right. Where's the movie about that? You know what I mean? Are we going to kind of do the same uh, narrative where we show all of the battles that Wellington fought at and all the casualties? So I guess I don't know, man, almost like maybe I'm being uh, a bit vindictive here, but I don't know. I guess really my main point here is is Napoleon that radically different than other military dictators before him right is he worse than frederick the great you know is he worse than i don't know um off the top of my head henry the fifth is he worse than henry the fifth is he worse than richard the lionheart right i don't know but that was definitely something that i'll frame it this way it 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 left me with questions which maybe it's not a bad thing questions are good you know
1: so I'm, f- I'm fearful you're going to lose so many of your English listeners. I might, but look,
0: <laughs> I'm a little afraid to, but look, you know, to so all the folks that I've had on from that island, which I do like, by the way, um, I think it's going to be okay. I think that they're still going to love us. <laughs> <laughs> we love England. We do. <laughs> All right. Well, actually, maybe we'll have to have some of them on to talk about the movie. We'll oh, yeah, there, see, yeah you know? that's actually good Yeah, we'll have Probably. to, you know, have them on and get their sort of take, you know. That's All The right. we'll wrap up. One of the things that I love to do at the end of a podcast, especially a marathon podcast like this one, is just to kind of ask some questions about what some things are that we're sort of doing hobby-wise, right? Um, Kelly McManus, start with you. Yeah.
1: What are you working on? So I actually – Well, you know, since last time, I I painted a few more Germans for my World War II projects, um, you know, with Steve. um, And I'm still going at my uh, Napoleonics, repainting everything, rebasing everything, which I feel like you need to do once in your life if you're going to be a war gamer, from what I've heard. Um, So that's coming out pretty well. I got one regiment painted up, so now I'm working on the second one.
0: Yeah, gotcha. And what about you, Matt? What are some things you're doing?
2: So, um, I'm actually working on some 28 millimeter samurai armies right now. Um, that company fire forge, they had a Kickstarter earlier and they, I just got all the plastics and they're, they're beautiful. Really. You could do a lot with them. So I'm working on that. And then the other big project I'm, I'm working on uh world war one rule set Stormtrooper, And, uh, I just been play testing that, you know, the, uh, the unfun part of just, you know, trying to figure out all the mechanics and everything like that, but I've been having a great time with that and just doing lots of different units and painting a lot of different stuff up. So um, British, French, Germans, I yeah, I love so your much. samurai, Western, by but, the way. Yeah, I oh, love thank your you so samurai. Thanks yeah. you so much. So, yeah, yeah it's, a great, it's a great period. It's just, it's never, they've had plastic miniatures, but they've been really not great. Yeah. The new ones are really nice. The calvary yeah. beautiful. So many options. And it's a, it's a really cool period that I've I always loved since um, when I was a kid, I used to play, uh, what was it that game Shogun? Oh, like, yeah. Bradley, yeah. the game necessary. So I've always wanted to just do that in bigger scale.
0: Yeah, that's so, awesome. And by the way, we could spread the wealth a little bit, you know, we'd spread the hate a little because of our fire today. But look, you know, it's funny <laughs> for our British audience out there here. This will make you feel better. Look, we were talking about this before we came on came on the podcast, right? Look, the samurai, great gaming period, not the nicest people, <laughs> right? The understatement in the century. But if you watch a <laughs> lot of movies, you know, the samurai class are basically portrayed as in film as like, you know, honor you know, duty, you know, nothing about privilege, nothing about beheading people and getting paid for how many heads, you know, were cut off. Nothing about the fact that the samurai, uh, tried to essentially stop the Meiji restoration, essentially tried to keep Japan sort of closed off. My point is, is that movies do have a tendency to do this. And I know Matt, mm. we, that there was something we were talking about earlier.
2: No, absolutely. That's a, that's the thing too. Is like, you know, consuming all the media and reading stuff. It's like, the real story of like how savage, you know, warfare is and stuff. It's, it's yeah. never, it's, it's, they attempt to portray it, but it, it really isn't portrayed the way it is. You know? Yeah.
0: Do you find that, um, given your experiences of that, like, do you find that, um, with some of the media that comes out based on your own experiences?
2: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. The, the thing I, from just from the, you know, stuff I saw and, um, you know what it is, is when you have entertainment, they're trying to reach somebody that's not even in the same universe of that mindset. And they, it's so alien for somebody to find, you know, so you see glimpses of it in movies, but most of the time it's just a caricature. Yeah. You know? So, gotcha. and you know, and even like, you know, like we were talking, I think last podcast, it was like the morality of war gaming. Some people yeah. are like, Oh, it's so, you know, it's kind of morbid, it's poor mongering. It's, it's a caricature of yeah. what, you know, like real is and stuff. But, um, But the reason why you see that, once again, is because they're trying to reach an audience that's so far removed from it. Yeah. So it's it's not an easy thing to to, uh, show.
0: Yeah, no, for sure. Um, I'm exhausted. I don't know about you guys. I'm shot. I mean, I will say this to kind of end the podcast, I guess, on some level. Um, You know, one of the things that I've been working on a lot with my miniatures, and I'll see if I can... uh, Because I'd love to be able to post all of your work, um, meaning Matt, the samurai you're painting kelly uh the napoleonics that you're working on what i'll do is i'll curate a little a little photo montage of these things that way somebody can listen and watch this pod and then actually see some of the things we're working on one of the things that i'm doing and by the way hitch white one of my best friends in the world um he's also uh, you know a guy that that's been on on the pod he's been on once but he'll be on a lot more in the future um i'm making him very happy right now he's all about basing I've been working <laughs> a lot on that. So I'm painting up these War of the Roses figures. And um, shout out to Essex Miniatures, by the way. Mm. Old school. Um Good they are, yeah. Um, and they've been around forever. So I've been painting those up. And what I really kind of went for was a diorama feel on the big bases. Yeah. So I've got these big, like 120 millimeter bases, and you know, I'm putting some grass tufts on them. I'm using some uh games workshop technical paints for the uh actual mud patches yeah. and using different kinds of flock to really kind of make it look dynamic. I'm very happy with with the way everything has sort of turned out. So that's kind of what I've been working on primarily. And I'll also say this to you guys, you know, it'd be nice to have maybe around the holiday season, we'll have to find a central location because that's the issue. We're all so far away from each other. Um we'll have to we'll have to get together, get together and do some gaming together. I know Matt Absolutely. you've invited me over a few times. Just I'm not gonna can you move away from Long Island, Matt? What's what, so can sorry. we talk
2: about this? I know it's it's horrible. There's never the zombie apocalypse. I'm gonna be stuck here. Yeah. Yep, Do you like, uh, going
0: for New York? <laughs> yeah, did you grow up in Long Island?
2: Yeah. Oh, no. okay, gotcha. No, so I lived I left, there forever. Left, yeah, left for the military and then I, I I took the NYPD test and that's why I came back. If, yeah, if I gotcha. for the NYPD, I would have never came back
0: here. <laughs> yeah, no, 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 I hear you, dude. <laughs> that's what, then again, that's a whole nother whole yeah. other topic for other people. I also escaped New York, uh like yeah. Russell. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, um, and such. But but uh, joking aside, like it'd be nice to get like a con- oh, kind of like a twenty sided gamified
2: absolutely. guest
0: list gaming. You know, around the yeah. holidays, we'll have to try to try to make that happen. You know, my uh,
2: my, you're always welcome here, man. Everybody no, I met. know, I know, <laughs> I know that. I don't, I
0: don't, hey, man. Well, no, it's not even that. It's just, I mean, the traffic is just traffic, brutal. Like when I'm ridiculous. done, when you guys game, when I'm done with my day, I mean, if, if the traffic is bad, I'll never get there. You know? Yeah. yeah. No. So. Bad. Which so we'll have to find a to find a central location, you know. But um, I really appreciate the fact that you guys did this. By the way, what's it? I mean, is a different recording video? No, you're used to that, right? <laughs> yeah, I've done a couple. No, I, I I know that's an understatement because I know like with Battle Tribe, which you will have to talk about in a sec to give people a sense of where they can find you, so to speak. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I know you do a lot of that. What about you, Kelly? What the, I've done, um.
1: This for work uh, where yeah. we have like lectures come on and it's, you know, during COVID, you know, so I'm I'm used to it.
0: Yeah. My fear is that I'm, I, I, I don't know, like, I feel like a lot of times I present as the TV dad, you know, that's what a uh, couple of teachers um, that I work with kind of, that's kind of what they say about me, I guess. I don't know if I was TV dad today. <laughs> I feel like I was like a psychopath. Yeah, uh, I kind of let loose a bit. You know, and people can see my <laughs> facial dumb. expressions, you know. But it's look, it comes too. from a good place. It comes from a good place. I don't expect all the buttons on a military coat to be in the right place. I don't expect a movie about the 1930s to have headgear that looked exactly the way people would look in Chicago with headgear or something like that. I, I don't get crazy, but this this movie fired me up. And, and and the worst part is, is I told all my students, who some of them might be listening, you guys got to go see this movie. And now it's like, I feel like I need to say to them tomorrow, I'm sorry, guys, like, let's actually, you know more about this time period than Ridley Scott, you know? So I'll say this, and I do mean this very seriously. I think about all my English friends. Um, so I mean, thinking about people that we've had on this podcast, Pendrock and Miniatures, Peter Pig miniatures, um, author um, of Strength and Honor, my friend Mark. I mean, we're going to have Rich from Two Fat Lardies on. I really am sorry. I hope that you don't hate me. But look, we'll have to do a podcast at some point where you defend your island and you you can call me a colonist if you want you know i know brits love doing that i keep digging myself a new hole here right that's what i'm trying to apologize but i'm still being insulting but you guys look you know i love you you know that all right um Matt. we wouldn't we wouldn't be oh, here ahead, without Kelly. you no i know yeah they're you're gonna read about me in the news they strung yeah, me up they yeah. flew here and uh dude, you're gonna get on the miniatures page you're, you're gonna be a point of conversation <laughs> oh dude no that's a whole that's a whole nother conversation oh, as minis, miniatures page but um
1: i mean you're already there Oh, I don't sure. know if you have googled it, but you are there. Oh yeah, I'm it's sure. all good stuff so good, far. Good, good, good. For this, now, this probably won't help.
0: <laughs> no, it won't. Matt Rendar or Matt Klein. I know you go by both uh, terms. <laughs> um, all right, Matt. So if somebody wants to find your stuff, uh, can you tell people where to look?
2: Yeah, sure. Um, on social media, Matt Rendar. That's like my. It's um, where I do my art and brand uh, Battle Tribe, and um, you know I have all the different projects I'm currently working on. If you want to see like what I'm wargaming it's more, it's really not refined. It's more of like a blog. I kind of just like screenshot, uh, do some handheld video and just splice it together. That, that's Matt Rendar on um, YouTube. So I do all the, like cool. pretty much, pretty much I game every Wednesday and I I put it together real quick and put it up there. We just did a um, battle. We did a, a bolt action game for uh, in Berlin. So we did cool. about, we did, it was pretty big. We did like 3000 points. Oh my God. Yeah. It was a lot, a lot of Russians, a lot of Germans, but it was no, good time. Cool. But, um, Yeah. Social media, though, on Instagram, Matt Rendar. And can I just do one, can I do one shameless plug? No, 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 no. Plugs are, (laughs) plugs are good No, It's fine. Um, The last, like, really big project I just did is, um, there's a gentleman, Christian Craighead. He he was a former SAS operator. He was um, involved in a ton of stuff, long career, 28 years in uh, the British military. And in 2019, there was a terrorist attack down in Nairobi, Kenya, at this hotel. And five terrorists went in there and started killing civilians. So he was actually off duty, rushed in there and um, helped really, really finish it off and um, been friends with him for a bit. So he reached out to me about writing a children's book. and I, He was like, hey, you want to get involved? I'm like, absolutely. So me and him worked together and um, we just, he, we self-published it and it's coming out actually this Wednesday. It's called The, the Wrong Wolf. So cool. if you're looking for a holiday gift for, you know, I, I'd say from like, I don't know, like 6 to 12, 13 years old. It's a book that he had, so really cool. Has, like, yeah, a that's lot of awesome, dude. Par- parallels with his military career. But they also too, he's another rabbit hole. You Google Christian Craig and look him up. Cool. You know, yeah. Very, well look. Very wild career.
0: Yeah, there's plenty of listeners out there, which I know as I look at the sort of, you know, diagnostics of this podcast. Lots of people are listening. So it's nice, um it's a nice little project you sort of got, got yourself involved yeah. in. And again, like your art is awesome. I mean Thanks. for those of you that don't know, I didn't mention this at the beginning of the podcast, but Um, the logo for 20 sided gamified, the shirts and hoodies that Kelly and I are going to wear at PAX, which by the time this comes out, will probably already be there. Um, Matt did all the artwork for that stuff. So I, I just want to make sure that he gets credit for that. So, um, I guess when the when the podcast becomes gigantic, uh, Matt, you know, hopefully, uh, you know, thousands of people across the uh, world, or maybe more than yeah. that, will be wearing your artwork on their bodies. So we'll have to see,
2: man. Congratulations again being on the Flames of the War page. That's awesome. Oh, thanks, man. That, yeah, yeah, it cool. Cool. Yeah, yeah, it was very cool. Yeah, it was very very like.
0: cool. Um, because I I interviewed Wayne um, mm-hmm. Wayne Turner who did a lot of the stuff. Well, he's been with the company for a really really long time. Yeah. But he specifically has done a ton of Team Yankee stuff. Yeah. So he does a lot of the source books and he's a, he's a really cool guy. If you, if, for those of you out there, if you like flames of war, listen to that podcast because you get a nice little deep dive into where the company came from, where it was founded and everything. So, all right, people. So for our new friends that are listening to the pod or watching this uh, episode um, and for the people that have been listening since the beginning, huge thank you to everybody. I hope you guys have a great day. Stay hydrated, you know. Eat, eat some. Stay healthy. Work out a little bit. <laughs> and yeah, right. Uh, coming from gamers, and uh, I will see you guys later. Thanks, guys, for coming on. Alrighty, see over, see everybody later. Thank you so much for listening to today's Twenty Sided Gamified Podcast. I hope you got as much out of the conversation as I did. If you're interested in learning more about the organizations I work with, please visit www.nextgengaming.org and www.nasaga.org. My Instagram handle is hmgs underscore nextgen underscore inc. Until next time, be well, get some gaming in, and roll some 20s. Thank you so much.